Carolyn Coleman is a strong and proven leader. Carolyn Coleman is a servant for progress and an advocate for children and families. Vote for Carolyn Coleman from Metro Council, District 10. You can count on Coleman because Coleman cares. Count on Coleman. Count on Coleman. If your world is looking strange, you can count on Coleman for change. I was able to go and uh, with the veterans today, and that was really good. And the Foster Project Band was there. They performed, so we went to Independence Park today. But it was really, it was good. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, had a good time. I miss Mike Foster. Yes. Well, yes, like Mike Foster Band, not the governor, but yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, connectors, I am so excited for my cousin Carolyn Coleman, who is running for Metro Council Woman in District Ten in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I am so 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 excited to have her on this episode because. You know, us Black women, we are winning right now. So, connectors, you know what to do. Sit back, relax, do what you do, whatever you do while listening to a podcast, and let's get connected. All right. Well, I, again, I am so happy to have you, Kaya. And I think, you know, this is just the best and most opportune time to have you because Kamala Harris was just elected as the first, first Black woman, first Black period, Vice President of the United States of America. And I am so honored to have you on my podcast because you are running for a political position in your local community. So thank you for coming on Amps Connected Podcast. And thank you for having me. And as I watched Kamala uh, last night on that stage, I envision much I envision much, and I even, I connected with her very well, and um, I just truly, I'm not going to say believe, I'm going to say no, that she's really paving the way mm-hmm. for a female president. Yes, yes. I really yes. believe that. I think that's going to be the, what's left. I don't mm-hmm. know anything that's left to do. That's and, it. Uh, yeah, she did an excellent job uh, last night. Yeah, she along did. With the president, but she did an excellent job. Yes. Excellent job. Well, you're doing an excellent job, too. So we're not going to spend too much more time on Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. We're going to turn it back to you, Miss Carolyn Coleman. You are running for Metro Council District 10. So how did you get there? Let's, Let's talk a little bit about you. Where are you from? I'm Carolyn Robinson Coleman, and I am from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yes, the big BR. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I am the proud mom of two sons. Mm-hmm. 
famine, Edwin, the grandmother of four, that's Taylor and Brock and Blanche and Trey, uh, they, a great grandmom of one, Layla. Mm-hmm. I um, have a mom who just made 90 years old. Yeah, shout out to here, hey, here. Yes, yeah. yes, a supportive mom. And then I, I just uh, ride on the spirit of my dad mm-hmm. uh, because who saw this in me, who said to me one day while we were watching uh, this on TV long, long ago, one of the meetings, he said, you can do that. Mm-hmm. And I sat and I listened and he repeated himself. Mm-hmm. And so here I am uh, this day, and that's been years and years ago. And so I live here in an area in Beauregard Town, a homeowner here. Mm-hmm. I've been here for 23 years. In District 10, I attended school in 10, mm-hmm. and that's Perkins Elementary, McKinley. It was junior then and McKinley High. Southern University and LSU. Mm -hmm. I've been an educator for over 40 years. Children are my passion. Yes. And so just want to continue, collaborate, be a collaborative leader in this district Mm -hmm. to work for the success of the district to serve others. Yes. And connectors, I if you didn't hear me before, um, I call a cab, but um, she is my second cousin. So that is my mama's cousin, first cousin. So she's my second cousin. And I grew up um, at her at her mama's house in the country because my grandma lived in the country and one of the earliest memories is she was talking about her dad big kurt is the um the sugar the sugar cane fields and eating and picking the sugar cane so i know we're talking about Borgard town we're going to come back to Borgard town but i want to let the connectors just get a glimpse of like when you were a kid because that was one thing that to this day sticks out. So in Ethel, Louisiana. Yes. (laughs) What was life like growing up? Cause you know, we have, I'll I'll even say connectors, you may know Queen Sugar. So you may understand like um, about the the cane, the sugar cane fields and how they go out into the um, sugar cane factories and stuff like that. That was one of my earliest memories. So how about you, Cal? What was one of your earliest memories growing up in Ethel, Louisiana? In Ethel, Louisiana. And even when my um, dad worked on the Illinois Central Railroad, Mm-hmm. One of my fondest memories was waiting for him to come home with his lunch bucket mm-hmm. to see what was left in that lunch bucket mm-hmm. for me that <laughs> evening. And so along the lines of the sugar cane, I mean, that was truly an experience to watch the process of sugar cane becoming syrup. 
Mm-hmm. And so that, but definitely all of those memories, uh, Christmas at our home where mm-hmm. everybody came and my grandmother gave out the bags with, you had an apple, you had and an orange, orange and you had, oh yes, and you had the uh, candy. Now it's all wrapped up, but that candy mm-hmm. wasn't wrapped up then. Mm-hmm. It was just in that bag and that plastic bag with your apple with your orange tied on the end Mm -hmm. and you stood in a line and all of the grandchildren great-grandchildren children got their bag and Mm -hmm. so memories memories yes indeed yeah and I look back on that like on my childhood and I wonder then if that's why you were always so passionate about children because that's what you you know just said and so tell us then you talked about being in Baton Rouge and as a child maybe I think the youngest I remember um, was when I was in high school and probably even before then was volunteering at one of the camps that you initiated initiated. Um, so can you tell us then how you got involved with, you know, or why you have a passion for children and what you do to serve the children in Baton Rouge? Well, for 19 years, I operated what we call the Education for Homeless Children and Youth Program here in Baton Rouge. And believe it or not, that's why we must always keep in mind that someone is always watching you. Mm-hmm. And little did I know that Lillian B. Harrison walked up to me and said, go and get me your resume. Mm-hmm. I said, ma'am, just mm-hmm. go get it and bring it right back to me. Mm-hmm. And when I did, she said to me, you are a perfect match for this program. And, and so what I did was I grew that. Can I program. ask you, can I ask you, who is Miss Harrison? Miss Lillian, Lillian B. Harrison was the, um, at that time, she was the leader in the school system. She was over all federal programs. Mm. And so, yes, and Lillian B. Harrison and her, one of her uh, latest words, Miss Audrey Hampton, and they wrote the grant. Okay. And that's what started the program. And so, year after year, it grew. And mm-hmm. this was a program to let you know that it was needed, it was mandated by federal law. Mm-hmm. Homeless children, when folk think of homelessness, they always think of the bad lady or the mm-hmm. guy under the bridge, mm-hmm. but this was disconnected children, homeless children in shelters, those that were runaway, throwaways, those that were just maybe sleeping in cars or wherever, just not connected mm-hmm. to anyone, living in shelters. Uh, and so these were the, the, that was the population that, uh, that I worked with. Okay. And so I just, we talked about memories earlier and, and I always wanted to make sure that these children, even though they were in the situations that they were in, mm-hmm. but I wanted them to be able to have 
some real good memories mm -hmm. of a life. Yes. So I know um, what the camp was like. So can you tell the connectors, you know, give a little glimpse of what your camp was like? Because I think it was a monumental camp that, and a, a program that the children who were in it were well, um, I would say privileged to be in that camp, maybe their circumstances, but what your camp allowed gave them, I believe was probably um, a lifetime opportunity to grow and to experience something that they would never otherwise be able to. So just give the connectors just a little glimpse of the types of things that you afforded these children. Well, uh, we the camp included an academic piece, but it also had an enrichment uh, part there. Here in Baton Rouge, we had the Camelot Club. Mm -hmm. Now, in order to be a part of the Camelot Club, you had to have membership. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was made sure that I connected connectors there you with go. someone here in Baton Rouge and made that real for those children to be able to go to the Camelot Club and be exposed to a top of the line place. Before going, we talked to them and showed them about proper etiquette. Mm -hmm. We got them ready. Uh, we, we, we did the whole nine yards. They even were able to go to the Camelot Club, not on school buses. Mm -hmm. You know, you could do that any day. So we had the uh, air conditioned. Um, yes. Yes. Chartered the buses. Chartered. Yes. yes. The real buses to take yes. them. If you're going to really give them an experience, it needs to be the best that you can give them. Horseback riding. Also, we had uh, the train ride and had some adults mm -hmm. that had never uh, rode a train before. So the Amtrak train ride. And then the academic piece whereby we took a look at what areas, what skills these children were lacking and made sure that we individualized instruction for them. And so all of the enrichment was mm -hmm. a carrot to have them take care of your business first, nice. and then we get a chance to do all of this. And I'm telling you, I have even come across some of these children today and mm -hmm. they can have a conversation about the memories. And that is so important, so mm -hmm. important. Yes, and the Camp Education for Homeless Children and Youth um, was, also an eye-opening experience for me and just taught me empathy and just how to be a giver of myself to just let somebody know that it doesn't matter your circumstance as long as you believe in what you are able to do and reach out to people who you know want to help you you can achieve what you want to achieve so I guess that's gonna, go ahead, go ahead. And one, one thing that I often think about is when one of the uh, persons who was supposed to be a leader in the school system said to me, I didn't know that you had to do all that you do for these children. And so I said to him, I said, you don't have to worry 
about them outrunning yours, not right now, but look out. And truly, some of these children have really done well in life. Mm -hmm. And I want to say a lot of the things that we take for granted, mm -hmm. we should not. Mm -hmm. Not at all. You know, having your own toothbrush, mm -hmm. being able to not have to share a bed or a bathroom or a room or whatever. So all of this was uh, what these children were exposed to. So it was my call and it was my duty to let them see and their parents see that there is a better way of life. Mm -hmm. Including in this too, were some of the parents that were a part of the battered women's shelter. Mm -hmm. And so with that, not only did we do stuff with the children, but to, um, keep the children and let the parents have maybe a night out where they went to a restaurant. And, you know, some of them say, I've never, I've never had this opportunity, mm -hmm. but just wanting them to know that there is a better way of life. Yes. Yes. And I think that's going to just help us segue on to our next segment. Um, we can count on Coleman. Count oh. on Coleman. <laughs> um, connectors, if you have not heard it, my band, the Velocity District, we made a jingle for my cousin's campaign. Um, and it's kind of catchy because so many people have told me I cannot get count on Coleman out of my head. So, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your campaign. We we're just talking about education. And one of your platforms that you are running on is on education. Um, I was doing a little bit of research and Louisiana is ranked at the bottom, the lowest of the low. Um, what changes will you, this is a question for myself, um, will you implement to help improve your district's education? Know that there are school board members that are responsible for the educational entity. But I am a collaboration queen. Mm -hmm. And I know that efforts, collaboration efforts with the different entities here in Baton Rouge is imminent. Mm -hmm. School board members, collaboration efforts with educational institutions here to enhance and foster educational opportunities for our children. And I'm talking about traditional and non-traditional students. So often we only concentrate on those children that are finishing high school and going to college. Mm -hmm. we, we don't concentrate on those that may um, have a serious desire for a trade. Mm -hmm. And and so what I want to do is to collaborate. And yes, Exxon is in my district mm -hmm. and they have uh, opportunities there for students that are in high school or graduating from high school to be a part of a training program 
where they can really make a good living for life and not to badger them, the children, because they didn't go to college. Right. And look at life. We need it all. We need the plumbers. Mm -hmm. We need the carpenters. We need, we need the everything, the welders. Mm -hmm. And so those students that have that capability and those desires are definitely students that we've got to connect with the different entities in our district. We also have the uh, universities, but we we have the um, colleges, you know, BRCC, the community college here. And at the community college, there are different opportunities other than going to college for four years. And so what I want to do is visit the District 10 schools. I've begun already to build relationships with the principals and the coaches and the children, but I want to make sure that those relationships are somewhat whereby we are collaborating with folks that can definitely assist me with assisting these children with being successful Mm -hmm. as to what they want to do in life. When we were coming up, they used to ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. And that question caused us to keep it on our mind. And so when I come across children now, I ask them, what do you want to be when you finish mm-hmm. growing up? Mm-hmm. And then just to have a conversation with them and to make them start thinking about that. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good question because a lot of times, like you were saying, people expect you to go to college, get some type of degree, you know, go on to get a master's, a PhD, or a doctorate, whatever it is. But I have learned, even my brother, you know, he's into HVAC and he's doing really well for himself. Yes. yes and yes. some people, you know, they prefer to be on the road as a trucker instead of, you know, at an office you know, working a nine to five. And I'm glad to know that um, you support those types of initiatives, you know, because people won't and cannot be forced into the classroom and actually succeed. And see, the, the, the real book, the good book says, walk in the vocation mm-hmm. in which you're called. Mm-hmm. And so don't try to make, a teacher out of a person who has a passion to drive that truck. Mm -hmm. What you want to do is to make sure that that person is connected to the best truck driving school, the best truck driver, the best truck driving Mm -hmm. program that could be, or Mm -hmm. that is in order that they can be the best that they can be. Um, Here's another question just off the top of my head then, like when talking about these types of, let's call them independent contractors, um, how can our high school programs teach or how do you see 
um, our high schoolers or high school programs teach them how to be financially fit to be a business owner, you know, owning their own trucking company, because I'm learning now, like credit is in America is everything. You may have a billion bucks, well, you know, in the bank, but if you don't have any credit, you can't do what you want to do. So how can then, you know, you collaborating with the high schools and with these other programs, how can you then implement implement like a financial fitness program? You took the words. And, and the thing about it is, the, the, the high schools, the middle schools must understand that you've got to deal with that total child. You've got to bring in the different entities from the community and, and have them to expose our children to financial literacy, true financial literacy. And you are correct. Credit is better than money in a lot of instances. You have good credit, mm-hmm. you can get that. And then that must be taught at an early, early age. And so mm-hmm. they, it's when you take a look at what it is that these different um, entities are looking for when they hire people, all of that must be a part of what the schools are teaching our children. Mm -hmm. And then you bring in people from the community to those classrooms to help them better understand that process and to understand that dollar and what you do and how you cut it up and how do you, what do you save and what do you uh, spend on this and that, all of that. And so it is very important that we connect with the different uh, entities out here in the community that are hiring our students, ask them, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. You have the soft skills mm-hmm. that we must make sure that that's a part of what we're being, what we're teaching our, our children as well. Yeah, That's very important, the soft skills. So yes. we've got to create some relationships with community entities in order that we can make this happen for our our children at an early age. Learn about it. Learn about money and and 401k saving and all of that at an early age, financial Mm -hmm. literacy. Okay. So then um, we... Still talking about your campaign. Tell us a little bit more about your platform and the things that you plan on changing in your community. Well, one of our issues in the community, and we're going to build on that, is blight. Uh, We have a lot of places, you know, Barney says, clean up, clean up, everybody clean Mm -hmm. up. Well, we have a lot of places here that that's definitely what we must do. Gotta hold the uh, DPW, Department of Public Work, uh, accountable and also build a relationship with the people that are a part of that. Mm -hmm. Let them know that, hey, I need you and you need me in order that we can do that. We need to hold those landlords 
accountable, the blight uh, of the slumlords, some may call them. We must hold them accountable. You're going to either clean it up or it has to come down. Mm -hmm. Another issue is when we have folk that are, the homes may be owned by uh, people that have gone on, then we've got to get something on the books that can really help us do something with this blighted property other than just letting it sit there, not having the, it's not in good standing with uh, good paperwork there. Mm-hmm. So it's just hanging there. I walked, I've walked this entire district, had conversation with folk. Just yesterday, I started over again. Mm-hmm. I started in Garden District yesterday had a conversation with a gentleman there about a blighted piece of property. And Garden District is a very nice area Mm -hmm. uh, here in Baton Rouge, but had a conversation with him about a blighted piece of property that's right next door to him. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely something that we must make sure that we um, work with the the different folk, demolish some stuff. Some stuff must go. And, and, and that's what one of the areas of concern. And when you have blight, that's connected to crime mm-hmm. because folk can hide out in these areas. And so we definitely want to make sure that we uh, do that and create some initiatives to encourage uh, partnerships with the uh, city department, with city parish, mm-hmm. with the department of um, public works, and then with nonprofit organization, with the churches, get everybody involved to let them know that this is unacceptable and that this is really not how we ought to be living in some of these areas. We have some ditches Mm -hmm. that I had a gentleman in the Dixie. There's an area here called Dixie. He says, ma'am, if you can get those tires and get this water from being stagnant Mm -hmm. in this ditch, uh, ma'am, ma'am, you gonna be my uh, Metro Council woman, you yes. know? And so that is definitely something that must do because it's not safe for anyone. Mm-hmm. You can definitely have a child outside playing. And, and I mean, you don't know what could happen there. So it's definitely one area there. And that's that community blight. Also, another area is economic development Mm -hmm. and sustainability. It's one thing to develop something in an area, but you must be able to keep it, to sustain it. And so we're talking about adding, creating jobs, matching folk with the jobs, lucrative jobs, that is. And again, I'm so grateful that Exxon, Honeywell have a lot of 
different entities in District 10, mm -hmm. and I will be knocking on their door, sitting down, talking with them, yes. so that I can bring some good to the people here in 10. Mm -hmm. Well-trained people is it, it, the key to it all. Well-trained people, good jobs, poverty is 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 gone. It's out the way in some areas there, mm -hmm. and that's definitely what it is. The GED programs. Uh, we have a Butler Center here. That's the center in ten, and we've got to bring training programs, GED programs there. We must bring uh, programs where businesses, larger businesses can reach out and train the smaller businesses mm -hmm. and to become in businesses where they will be able to get business. Mm -hmm. And so, and give incentives to those larger businesses as they uh, help those smaller businesses, letting them know what is required for them to be able to get some of the city contracts or a state contract because good, good paperwork is in mm -hmm. place. You are ready and able to do that. Mm -hmm. A business incubator where this folk that want to have businesses can come and get the proper information, proper training, mentoring and partnering uh, with each other. Also, another thing is police reform, policing, ongoing mm -hmm. police accountability that is very, very important. Uh, incentivize community policing. You are in this community, you live in this community, we're going to get you some incentives for doing that. Ongoing training and true community policing. We had a police chief back, uh, uh, Chief Laduff, and it wasn't anything for Chief LaDuff to play ball with the students and the and the and even the parents in the community. Mm -hmm. About three or four weeks ago, I was at a McKinley game, and one of the younger police officers at the at halftime was on the field playing ball with the children. Mm -hmm. And when children see this then they see them and I'm reminded of when we were growing up, it said community helpers are our very best friend, the fireman, the postman, the milkman too, the yes. baker, the nurse and the yes. doctor, all community helpers. Mm -hmm. And so then also these police continuously ought to be located in our hotspots and they know where they are. And so if they know where the hotspots are, then that's where you frequent, that's where you ought to be. And so that's another issue there, uh, police reform and then healthcare. Mm -hmm. And see, when, when we talk about healthcare, a lot of folk just think about going to the doctor. Mm -hmm. It's more to that than that, because a lot of time you take an appeal, you go to the doctor, you get a pill, you take a pill, and then it'll tell you what the side effects are that are worse exactly. than what you're treating. Exactly. And so true health care is not just 
having a doctor there, but we want to promote community gardens so that we can have fresh fruits and vegetables and educational seminars showing that correlation about proper eating and exercising mm -hmm. and social well-being, just social well-being and, and just, and your exercise may be a walk. Yeah. It may be a trot. It may be a jump rope. It mm -hmm. may be whatever, whatever, but an offering that school wellness programs in school mm -hmm. collaborate with our local health clinics and professionals but creating wellness throughout District 10. Yeah. And when you think of wellness, Lex, you think of wellness is the key to happiness, mm -hmm. joy. Mm -hmm. And so we, we must contribute to the wellness of all things, wellness of people, wellness of our environment, yes. wellness of our communities. Mm -hmm. And so all of that is of utmost importance here in District 10. Mm -hmm. And community involvement, as I walk the district, you know, you hear people begging, asking for answering their calls, mm -hmm. answering emails, just listening to their concern. Yes. And in this district, there are approximately about 26 precincts. Mm -hmm. And when you look at these different precincts, they, they are not, it's not a cookie cutter thing that you can apply. So it is very important that you know your area, know your people, mm -hmm. have point persons in those areas, in those precincts, collaborate with them, listen to them, have a Coleman's cabinet. Yeah. Coleman's cabinet would be made up of all of these people that are in the different uh, precincts, but uh, in, creating an internship program mm -hmm. whereby, you know, what you're interested in, hey, look and see what we have in our community. We have some retired folk that are willing to work together with the youth in order to help them get on up the road there and just educational programs. We cannot separate ourselves from the different entities here, the school system. I always think of, we have our school board members, our state legislators, we have our uh, law enforcement people and our Metro Council people. And we're all in the same area and ought to all be serving that same population of people. So therefore we must collaborate, come together mm -hmm. as one in order that we can make a difference mm -hmm. in these folk lives. And yeah. so that's my platform. That's what I know will work. 
that's all I've ever done in my life mm-hmm. and no need of stopping now. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Say yes. thank you for that quick civics course. <laughs> um, but that actually brings us to a couple listener letters. Um, connectors, if you want to know who the next artist will be, Subscribe to my website, www.ampsconnected.com, and you will know exclusive news who will be my next guest, and you will be able to ask questions. So one of the questions is, and it was kind of funny, you kind of talked about it um, earlier when you were talking about Miss Lillian B. Harrison and about federal laws. Okay. Um, Hello, Ms. Coleman. I am a fellow constituent, and I am so excited about your runoff election. Congratulations again on your runoff. Um, Thank you. Thank you. If you could, if you were uh, Ms. Kamala Harris, and well, she does not um, appoint any Secretary of State or a Secretary of Education, but if you could, if you can appoint a Secretary of Education, who would you choose and why? Betsy DeVos does not seem like the perfect candidate for this position. Well, first of all, and I dare not um, would name a name, but I'd look at character. I'd look at that which is in that person that would be good for the order. First of all, you must be passionate about that which you are are doing. In education, you can't get away from it. I don't care what you do, where you go, education is the center of that. It's the centerpiece. Mm -hmm. And so you must have someone that is really Mm child-centered, someone that is the total child, not just talking about paper, pencil, not just talking about starting that education process, but finishing that education process. And so I know children. If I don't know anything else, I know children. I know how they are built. I know what they need. I know how to connect with them. And that is the kind of person that I would definitely be reaching out for Mm -hmm. if I were to be the person at this point to get your secretary of education. But that is very, very, very important to me. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say to you, constituent, look for somebody like me. Hey, (laughs) hey, hey, hey. I would say so too. I was going to ask you that. (laughs) Do you think if you had the opportunity, would you serve as the Secretary of Education? I definitely would. And it would never be the same. Hey. All right now. Um, Well, that actually brings us to another question. 
Hello, Ms. Coleman. During COVID-19, my child had to stay at home due to obviously COVID-19. And we fell behind because we are not used to going to school online. Also, I had to purchase a laptop for my child, which put me back behind in my bills. How can you help this as a Metro Council woman if this continues in the future? Well, first of all, this virtual learning for that has been thrust upon many who is not savvy with the computer. And I think it's more of the parents. We, we are the ones that's, that, that's got to do a bit more of understanding this process here than the children, but it is definitely something that is different. Something that we must make sure that we are connecting with for instance, K-12 makes sure that computers are issued to their students in order that they will be able to, and let me tell you all, gotta give me a minute because yeah, what? Yes. then I've just got to connect here. See, That's that okay. goes to show you right there. I'm not all the way computer savvy here That's myself. Okay. That's all right. I am, uh, as a matter of fact, with a virtual school myself. So I feel your pain. Mm -hmm. But Connected. let me tell you what must happen. If a... If a child is mandated Hold on, wait a minute. We um you muted yourself. That's okay. There we go. All right. Okay. If a child is mandated to be virtual, then it is the responsibility of that school system to make sure that that child has a computer. Mm. It is mandatory that they, and, and, and you know, you have all of these businesses out here. I know here in Baton Rouge that that was, it was not, even the hot spots were given to the children. Mm. And so you must, that, that is a must do right there. If you're going to tell me that my child must be virtual, if you're going to tell me that they must have a computer, then schools, you have money. School systems, education department, and I know that's what we did here in EBR, in Baton Rouge, and that was they gave them the laptops or the um, um, Chromebooks. The Chromebooks, mm -hmm. the hotspots, they gave them what they what they needed. That's awesome. Okay. And um, last question, and this goes to your question about um, policing. Hello, Ms. Coleman. I am worried about my safety because after George Floyd, 
Floyd's murder, it seems like nothing has really changed. What does safety mean to you and how will you ensure that the police will provide safety for us? Our police must be held accountable. And so I know that here in Baton Rouge, accountability is a big, big deal with our police department. Our chief is working diligently to make sure that that is across the board. Ongoing training is important there uh, with the uh, police department there. And I will be the first to say that there are some concerns. There are some concerns with our, our safety nests, I should say, for lack of a better term, for all of this. There are some concerns, but what we must do is hold these folk accountable, train, train, and more training is what must be. Mm -hmm. Also, our community people are, there is a responsibility on both sides a responsibility for the people, a responsibility for the uh, police force, the, the law enforcement force. Uh, and so I just think that we must make sure that even things as simple as lighting over here near me, there is a park that where the children were practicing football. Mm -hmm. I realized that just the other day, no more practicing football. Mm -hmm. I asked the coach, parents, why aren't you all practicing here anymore? Well, I was told that some of the folk that drove along the street was saying that the lights were too bright hmm. for that to be. I have a concern about that. I said to them, that's not safe. Mm -hmm. That to put the lights out because someone's saying it's too bright, but what about a well-lit area mm -hmm. that could definitely do some stuff with uh, something with our safety? Yes. And so even simple things along those lines is definitely something that must be, must be the cleaning up, the, the well-lit areas, the policemen being, the police force being held accountable, mm -hmm. the left hand knowing what the right hand is doing, mm -hmm. the continuity there, the police in the community as a friend, and not just when there is an issue. Jesus. And I say that all of this will help our communities be uh, much more safer. And yes, indeed, I, I know that on the upcoming books is supposed to be a raise that's being discussed hmm. for our police force. And yes, when I am in my seat, Yes, 
That will be a conversation, but along with more money, more accountability must be there because safety is of utmost importance in all of our communities. Mm -hmm. And I just believe that um, when they know that those who don't want to follow the rules and regs, but when they know that we're not playing, when they know that the police are there, when they know what the consequences are, then I just know that it will uh, become a bit better. And then having that community involvement, you know, we ask, am I my brother's keeper? I said, yes, you are. If you see something that may not look right, then what you need to be able to do is report that Mm -hmm. and have police to come out and ride around, as I said, in these hot spots Mm -hmm. and they do know where they are. And I will just like to end that question on a, um, I guess, a personal question. I have been involved in a lot of activist groups here, and we talk about policing and what it means to police our people. Um, You talked about a raise for, you know, for the police officers. So how do you see or um, funding, giving more funds to the police? How do you think that will help? And will that funding be allocated towards like training that would not necessarily put more money into the police pockets, but put more money into our community? And I agree with you with that, more money into the community. You know, a lot of folk talk about defunding the police. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not speaking of defunding. What I'm speaking of is taking a look at that budget that's there already and then taking some of that money that's in that budget and rerouting it to our communities. Mm-hmm. And so for sure, as you said, no, it may not mean that more money in their pocket. But I did hear some of the candidates that was part of their platform and they just put it out there a little bit saying about it's time for our police to have a raise. Mm. And I do not, here in Baton Rouge, I don't think that the police officers have had a raise where it go in their pocket for quite some time. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that if we take a look at that budget that's already in place and see how some of the funding can be rerouted into our communities to make things different and better in the community so safety can roll Mm -hmm. then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, connectors, if you are a District 10 constituent, um, vote for my cousin, Carolyn Coleman, because I can't. And I love all of these, your platform. I love what I just heard. Um, and I'm sure, oh, go ahead. And and I know you'll probably ask the question, or they'll ask the question, why 
Carolyn Coleman. Oh, that's wait, see, I'm a, that's going to be one of my last questions. Oh, I'm you okay. It, so, so let me let me do do my job. All right. <laughs> so you run for Metro Councilwoman. <laughs> um, and you, I know that you have been campaigning for so long, and it's time for a break, but not just yet because you're in a runoff. But yes. here on Am's Connected podcast. I give you an imaginary ticket. You can go anywhere in the whole wide world, anywhere. Somebody has gone to outer space before. So you can go anywhere. Who are you going to bring with you or who are you going to go see and why? Now, I'll let you have a few moments and I'm going to tell you where I will go. Okay. So again, congratulations to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. If I could go anywhere in the world right now, I would actually just go on up there to DC to be in the house, to party with everybody, to have a big old barbecue out on the lawn. That would be so much fun to me. And of course, I would love if my band, either 496 West or Afro Nation or the Velocity District, all of us, we would play. I think that's really what I would love to do right now. So if you had that opportunity, where would you go? Who would you go with or go see and why? Well, If I had that opportunity, keep in mind, I have been campaigning since July Mm -hmm. and here we are in November and it's not over yet. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned about going out of space, but, and that may not be a bad thing for Mm -hmm. me. I tell you, I want to go to a place where there is so much quietness, peacefulness. It's unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. it can even be darkness. Mm-hmm. And I believe that I would be at, at I just would be, it would be great okay. for me. But I too, um, and, and who I would take with me, I would take, grandchildren, especially Trey, Mm -hmm. because Trey and I, he could really enlighten me and I enlighten him. We do real well with our conversations and how, how things work and what things are and all of this are well read. They are well read. Uh, Grandchildren are well read. And so we can have real good conversations and I can see the other side. Mm-hmm. And so with that being said, even DC may not be a bad place there to go up there, but uh, I believe I want to go somewhere that's just so quiet and peacefulness and mm-hmm. until, but yet be able to do some learning because all I know is all I know. And so we should never let a day pass by without learning something. Mm -hmm. Well, tell Trey, if y'all haven't heard, you was talking about going out of space. Elon Musk 
I guess, I think it was like last month, maybe two months ago, he was talking about going to Mars and asking people if they wanted to go to Mars. And it takes about a year to get to Mars. Um, so maybe that's something y'all can look into. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and I bet you he knows about Elon Musk. I'm going to I'm ask sure. him. Yes, I'm going to ask him. Uh, uh, I'm going to give him a call later on and I'm going to ask him about Elon Musk and he's gone. I'm going to have to hear the whole diatribe now about Elon Musk. Yes, wow. yes, okay. I will. Well, we have come to the end. And hmm. before I end, I'm going to ask the number one question. What makes you the best candidate for... Metro Council woman in District 10. And why should your constituents vote for Carolyn Coleman on December 5th, 2020? Well, I'm a long resident homeowner of District 10. I have a passion for growth and development. My leadership abilities and experience with children and families and people, it's there. I've walked and heard talk in the entire District 10, not just the November 3rd or December 5th candidate, the same thing that is taking me to get in this campaign and to this runoff, it's going to take that and more to continue to do. And I have a serious desire to leave a legacy to District 10 and also to my family. Mm. And so, some of my major attributes are, I'm a listener, a collaborator, and I have impeccable work ethics, wisdom. And I didn't just come in 10 like some of the other folk that was in this race in the beginning and even now. I did not just come to 10. I've been in 10, homeowner in 10, been in the place where I am in the home for 23, soon to be 24 years. I know what to do, how to do, when to do, and who to do it with. Hmm. Well, there you have it. <laughs> constituents in district 10 in baton rouge louisiana you have heard it right here so miss coleman um your constituents or any connector out there how can they connect with you um give them your email address your social medias or any other way that we can connect with you um, and of course, I will put this in the show notes connectors. Um, so let us know. Coleman at District 10. 
Carolyn Coleman four at yahoo.com. And I think that ought to be enough right there. <laughs> I know Look- I probably, I know I probably put you on the spot. I have to run through it in my head too. But yes, I need to get a card and get all of that information off the back of that card. And I will, again, I will be sure, connectors, to put all of Miss Carolyn Coleman's information in the show notes. And connectors, you know where to find me. You can email me at info.ampsconnected at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at ampsconnected. Or you can go to my website, subscribe at www.ampsconnected.com. And I promise you, you do not want to miss out on the exclusive news at ampsconnected.com. So if I were you, I would go subscribe. (sighs) Thank you again. Thank Thank you. you. And I'll make sure that you get all of those little tags there so that you can send it out to all of my uh, constituents and listening the the, everybody yeah i appreciate this opportunity uh here tonight to share with you alexia and the listening audience yes no thank you um i really appreciate you for coming on here and i wish you nothing but the best nothing but faith and hope and i don't want to say luck god's will be done that the best candidate for district 10 wins on december 5th so with that connectors i am gonna go and i'm gonna let miss coleman get her beauty rest because she got Uh. some campaigning to do y'all so y'all know what to do stay connected and count on coleman